You are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Well, welcome, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I am your host, Kyra, and on today's episode, I have renowned psychic medium Corby Mitley joining me today. Corby has over 50 years experience as a psychic medium, tarot reader, past life regressionist, and spiritual counselor. She's also a ordained minister, and she's the author of Clean Out Your Closet, and the psychic yellow brick road, and you've got the magic. Who needs a genie? And also, a featured. She's also featured on Robert Short's Breaking Through series, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift. And today, we will be discussing Corby's spiritual awakening, misconceptions people have about psychics, how to tell a real from fake, and so much more. This is the vibe you selected, and thank you so much for joining me today, Corby. It's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, it's great to be here, my friend. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So, okay, tell me a little bit about your background and where you're actually from. Okay. Um, Grew up um, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is a little bit west of Philly. Now live in upstate New York in a farming county where it's 32,000 people and a bunch of cows and sheep. And trust me, that took a little getting used to. (laughs) I'm sure. But I used to be on the road 45 weekends a year. Um, So coming here and only having sheep to talk to kind of got nice. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's a good life. Um, how I started when I was nine, I read a book called the witch family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, Ooh, that's scary or ha ha ha. I thought, and your point is I knew there was magic in the world and I wanted to go find it. Uh, fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school. Yes, my darlings, that does tell you how old I am. I was working part-time at Spencer Gifts and they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck. And I bought it. Oh. We were all hippies then. We had our fringe jackets and our elephant leg bell bottoms and our decks. <laughs> Five years later, everybody else moved on to roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading. I found the cards fascinating. So I read for friends for 20 years. And then all of a sudden in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's kind of when the universe handed me my draft notice and said, hello, you're working for me. Part <laughs> so time. I was still an actress, an author, an inspirational speaker, a video producer, writing for a graphic novel series, uh, executive recruiter, the whole thing, doing this on the side until 9-11. As we watched the towers burn, I turned to my husband and I said, I need to do this work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. And he said, I believe in you can do it. So for a year, I still worked 70 hours a week as an executive recruiter. Um, did the psychic work evenings and weekends. And after a year, I knew I could make a living at it. And I've never looked back. Wow, that's amazing. And that's quite that's quite a road you took. But I uh-huh. do. Yeah. So, okay. Now, a lot of times I've heard from other psychics that I've been in contact with that they found out that they've had they've gotten their abilities from other people who may be in their family lineage. Maybe it was a grandmother that had abilities and maybe was a little too shy to come out and say, oh, you know, come out the broom closet, as they like to say, and kind of say that they have abilities because being a psychic has been looked down, frowned upon for a very long time. So 
were there any people within your family that had have abilities as well? Or are you the only one that pretty much has them? Oh, the exact opposite, my darling. To this day, my brother still tells people I'm a motivational speaker because he can't handle the idea that his sister is a psychic. Wow. So, no. Nobody in my family had this gift. Uh, my father, who was my best friend, uh, knew that his daughter was um, a little glittery. Let's just put it that way, that I saw things other didn't. And my stepmother... God bless her wonderful soul. She got it. She knew. And she was very supportive. But no, I am the only one in the family that has ever shown an inkling of metaphysical abilities. So why do you feel like your your family in particular wasn't so open to you expressing your abilities and your spiritual awakening? Why do you feel like that is? And why do you think so many people frown upon psychics in general? Well, my family is strictly medicine-based. Um, you know, uh, dad and brother was a doctor, uh, mom was a nurse. So, but the thing is, because people don't understand what psychics really do, and all they see are the um, bad B movies and the scam artists, because people love to talk about the scams, they yes. can't see us as just people with another skill. And we could all do that. The example that I give, um, we have 10 fingers. All of us have 10 fingers. And so all of us could play chopsticks on the piano. Some of us with time and effort and practice can be decent. One in a million is Alicia Keys. One in a million is Elton John. But we all have 10 fingers. So that's why it can be hard to find someone who's really, really good because we're not the usual that you run into. There's no better business bureau for psychics. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) So, okay. Now, what exactly inspired you to write your book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road? It is very fascinating, by the way. I absolutely love it. Well, there was an incident that I will tell you about. This is mm, 15, 20 years ago, up in Canada, a big psychic fair, holistic expo in Toronto, like 200 booths. And my booth was across from someone that I will assume is a fake gypsy. What's a fake gypsy? Uh, they put on the headscarf and the jingling jewelry and they do bad accent and you too can be gypsy. So we saw this woman walk by her booth and the fake gypsy runs out and grabs her. Now, this is called hooking in the business, and it's as bad as the other kind of hooking. But the gypsy said, oh, you don't need to pay $30, $40, $50. I read your palm for 10 Come. Drags her into the booth. 20 minutes later, everybody across the way sees a woman leaving hysterically crying. And we run over to talk to her to see if she's all right. And she said that the fake gypsy told her, oh, you have a family curse. How many in your family? Four, mm. you have a dog, $50 every family member, 25 for a dog, he's small. We fixed and told the woman that if she didn't burn 400 specially blessed candles at the Roman Catholic Church, I bless real good, only $1 candle. Her entire family was going to die in a car accident for two weeks. Wow, that's crazy. It is. And that's I just crazy. said, no, people need to be aware that that's not how it works. 
Absolutely. And in this, in your book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, you talk a lot about how to tell a real from a, a fake psychic. And you talk about Miss Cleo in particular, because everybody knows Miss Cleo. She was notorious. Yes, yep. And you also type, talk about what was so funny to me, the, I guess you call it the psychic drive-by. So this would be a perfect oh. example of the psychic drive What is a psychic drive-by exactly? Psychic drive-by shooting. Oh, my. Yeah, I was like, um, wait a minute. Are the psychics I, over here gang-banging on people? <laughs> no, but you see, it's like the Long Island medium. You know that's a reality show. It's a complete setup. But because other people don't really think about that, People will come up to you. You don't know them from Adam's house, cat, And they insist on giving you a message. Hi, excuse me. You don't know me, but uh, I have a message from your Aunt Doris. Uh, your back tire has a has a, uh, a bad bald spot and you're going to be in an accident if you don't fix it. Just walk, you know, just telling you. And they walk away. Mm-hmm. Who the hell are they that they think their ego trumps your comfort level? Mm-hmm. That True psychics will not do that. Now, there are very famous people. They're spiritualists. Now, Lilydale is one of the most famous spiritualist communities in the world. But if people from there have a message for you, they will walk up to you and say, hi, my name is Denise, and I believe I have a message for you. May I come to you? And if the answer is no, it's no. It's the same thing with people who can do hands-on healing, Reiki, Shiatsu, whatever. They don't have a right to put their hands on you. That's physical abuse if you say no. So there are times when someone has a headache and I will look at them and say, you know, sometimes I can really pull the pain down for you. Would you like me to try? And if they say no, I don't care if they're rolling on the floor in agony. No is no. Women know how our no is ignored or laughed off or pushed aside. Uh Uh-uh, baby. No is no, whether you're in a, a normal situation or a psychic one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a good point that you made about, you know, asking someone in a polite manner, you know, do you mind if I give you a reading? Because I've definitely been out a few times and I've had, you know, fake psychics come up to me and say, oh, I just got this message and so and so wants me to tell you this. And I've also been in situations where it was someone that really did have an actual message for me that was legit. However, you know, whatever they're telling you, you're able to decipher whether or not it's a real or a fake person. Like if they're saying something crazy, like, you know, someone's going to die in your family or this is going to happen to you, such as an accident, then you obviously know that that that's not believable. But people, like you said, their perception of psychics is they're able to tell you these things and they don't really know how it works, that they're thinking that this is actual facts because of what we see on TV. Right. And frankly, no one should ever tell you about a death that is illegal in a whole bunch of states. And, you know, that is between the person and God. We come in with more than one place we can exit, depending on what work we do when we're down here and what the soul wants. You could die of a fever at four. You could die from a car accident at 19. You could die from a mugging at 42. You could die from... Uh, pancreatic cancer at 60. Who knows? But if someone says, oh, I see you dying in a car accident and you get into one, you could die of fright thinking, oh my God, this is it. We all have an expiration date on our warranty, darling. Nobody has an extended warranty. It'll get there when it gets there. You do not have to know when. Mm -hmm. 
So, okay. Now I understand that some psychics are able to pinpoint time and dates on certain things, but I also understand that some aren't able to. And I know that the perception that at least what I get when I'm talking to people is that psychics know everything. They can pinpoint an actual time. They can tell you this is going to happen in seven days. So is that true? Can all psychics tell you an actual day and time, or is there certain restrictions on that? Is everybody kind of different with being able to tell time? Do all doctors have the same set of skills? Can a doctor who is um, a podiatrist who works on feet tell you whether you have a heart arrhythmia? No, we all have specialties. Um, And the way I think spirit works is what can we normally do? For instance, there's something called a pendulum and that's either a little crystal or, or something that you hold on a chain and some psychics, intuitives can hold it and get yes or no answers. Now, I have a slight tremor in my hands, benign tremor. Um, so I don't know that I could trust that answer. But on the other hand, I love the stories that cards tell. So I'm a certified tarot master. They're one of my tools, along with Oracle cards. And what's my background? Trained actress, um, storyteller, and I love history. Spirit sees all of that and says, we bet you would be good at past life retrieval. Now, there's a big difference that uh, I want to make clear to your audience between past life retrieval and past life regression. Okay, because you said I'm a regression specialist and I'm not. I'm a retrieval specialist. A regression must be done by a certified hypnotherapist or a certified past life regressionist, because that's when you get hypnotized, deep trance, and you go up to the Akashic records where all of your past, present and future lives are. Now, if you see a very upsetting situation there, if you watch how you died 200 years ago, or you see yourself raped or burning in a house, a certified hypnotherapist or a certified past life regressionist knows how to talk you out of feeling it so you just stand back and can see it objectively. You don't relive the emotions. Mm. See? And some people just don't want to do that. They come to me and they say, why do I have this situation? And I'm the one who goes into deep trance, goes up to the Akashic, pulls down a book and says, read chapter two. Here's an example. When I was lecturing at Lilydale years ago with Robert Schwartz, when his first book came out, there was a woman whose hair was butch short. She raises her hand and she says, why is it I'm so terrified to get wet hair in my face? Even one strand, I panic. I said, okay. And it took me about five seconds to to go upstairs and pull it. And I said, there's a five syllable answer, Lusitania. In 1915, you were one of the passengers on the ship. It was torpedoed by the Germans. You went over the side. You hadn't bobbed your hair, which was fashionable at that point. You still had that very long Edwardian massive hair. So it took on a lot more water. And as you went down, debris kept getting caught in that long hair and you drowned. She looks at me white faced and says, is that's why I'm afraid to get on a boat? I said, probably. Notice she had said nothing about that. Mm. And that's what, you know, that's a very interesting fact because, you know, I was reading um, another book. It was called Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss. I love reading his, these books are awesome. 
Um, now he was what in one of his in that book, he was talking about how one of the women he was working with had all of these phobias and mm-hmm. she was going and doing the past life. He was doing the past life regression with her and she was finding out a lot of the phobias she had were due to past lives. Mm-hmm. And so we don't realize sometimes the weird nicks that we may have or the, the phobias we have could be due to a past life traumatic situation that we were experiencing and subconsciously we're withholding that within our subconscious and when we are reborn again we ultimately don't remember any of that anymore so then that's why we have a lot of those phobias sometimes so that's right it can also explain obsessions um one of the things that i noticed how i figured out one of my particular past lives was um I'm not a groupie type. I'm just not. But in the 80s, I was absolutely entranced by the lead singer of a Philadelphia rock group. I was sure he was supposed to be mine. I was in my early 30s. And I did some past life work and found out that there had been something going on in 1783 Scotland. He was a lord. I was, you know, local tavern wench, nothing fancy. (laughs) But we couldn't figure out names. But over an Italian dinner on the main line, all of a sudden in my head came four words, Marcus Baron Gordon Huntley. Marcus is a title, Baron Gordon Huntley. And I looked at the person I was working with. I said, what's with this double title thing? So we went to Debrett's Peerage. And that's the the big Bible of who's who and who's important in, in the British royalty and nobility. And we found out in 1752 was born Alexander, 12th Marcus of Huntley. And in 1784, he was made Baron Gordon of Huntley. Now, I know from nothing about 18th century Scotland. Mm -hmm. I knew, you know, Tudor England. And so as soon as I found out and I read that much of what his life was like was what I was remembering, then the obsession went away. I mean, still liked their music, still thought he was... Good looking, but was com- the energy was completely disconnected. Hmm. So I didn't repeat the same stupid things I had done in the 18th century in the 20th. So does that also tie into like a karmic relationship? Because I've been I've experienced some of those too. Oh yeah. I feel connected with someone and you don't really know why. And it could be a good or a bad situation, but somewhere in there, there's a life lesson that you need to learn either you personally or the other person or you two together. Usually it's together, but Mm -hmm. sometimes the other person doesn't really realize that they have that lesson because you may be a little bit more spiritually connected. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all spiritually connected, but some people don't really realize, like, like you said in your book about how everybody has abilities. And we're going to talk about that too. But it's just it, it, people don't really understand the full concept of how karmic relationships actually work and that it's not always the end result of you being with that person, them being your lifelong partner again or what a soulmate really is. So mm-hmm. and soulmate. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because people get soulmates and twin flames mixed up. Mm-hmm, soulmates are our core team. We always have more than one. My father was my best friend. He and I even shared the same birthday. He was a soulmate. My last husband, no. My current husband, yes. My spiritual mentor, whose role has completely changed with me, so was she. Twin flames are more like um, 
Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, uh, you know, John and Yoko, people that are so entwined with each other, you cannot imagine them without. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and we don't always get our twin flames back down here with us. I know that mine has not reincarnated on earth right now because I had so much work I needed and wanted to do in this lifetime. I had kind of filled my karmic plate to slopping over that if I was distracted with a twin flame, I might not get it all done. So the agreement we made in our pre-birth planning session was they'd be up there. I'd be down here for now. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Now you're a psychic tarot reader, medium, um, and so, 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 so much more. One thing you mentioned in your book is that not all psychics have the same characteristics. So why is it important for others to know when seeking out a psychic for a reading to understand the characteristics that person may have? Because what our talents are, are going to help you decide what kind of a psychic you want to consult. Um, for instance, if you wanted uh, those dates you were talking about, uh, what's the best phone number for my new business, things like that. Astrology, <coughs> excuse me, astrology and numerology are what I call very tab A into slot B mm-hmm. sorts of things. They're precise. Now, if you're looking instead for things like, do I want to be um, a senator? Do I want to be a psychologist? Do I want to be a ballerina? Or do I want to date John or Devon or Julie? Well, there are other things that give you lots of your options because that's the most important thing. Remember, you've got free will. No psychic should say this is what you have to do. Because even the best of us are only 85% accurate. The only one doing who's 100% accurate is God. And God is not doing phone readings or sitting in a booth at a psychic fair these days. He's just... <laughs> You're too busy. <laughs> He's so, got a lot of people to deal with. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, I like psychics that empower. That doesn't mean be glurpy purple with angels and never tell people what the challenges are. But you can present things with here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. Let's say you wanted to open up a music studio. Some psychics would pull a few cards and go, well, wait until October and fire the second redhead. What the hell? I do a full entrepreneur spread, a card for you, a card for any of your partners in this, a card for the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, how to market what you do, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. This gives you all the information you need. Because if you said to me, is my business going to be a success? What if I said, no, I see you losing everything and living in a box under a bridge. That gives you no place to go. And when someone says that, that's when you are open to, what do I do? Well, I have this blessed candle at 600 bucks. Eh, Wrong. Okay. You want to come out of a psychic reading empowered with some answers, with some things to think about and things to help you move forward. Mm -hmm. And you also talk about tools as well and how not all psychics use, have to use the same tools as another one, but that doesn't, you know, invalidate their abilities to actually be real psychics, but it just means that that's something that makes them be able to do their job a little bit more better. 
You right. Know? Yeah. Like, remember I talked about the pendulum. Um, I used to share a booth with a dear friend in Canada when I did Canadian shows and her name was Debbie Dyer and she was a pendulum master. She, she could use a pendulum. It was always, as far as I could see, correct. But that's not my thing. On the other hand, she didn't get past lives. For instance, most people who do past lives will go, well, I see you in a long skirt and a big hat, so I know it's old fashioned. Because of my background, I can say, okay, hobble skirt, picture hat, that kind of an ostrich feather. And I see you standing in front of the Brandenburg Gate. This is Berlin in 1911. Who's going to give you the better information? Vague or specific? So that's why there's room for all of us. If you want a great past life, yes, come to me. If you want animal communication, you might go to my buddy, Catherine Nock. Uh, she's in the UK, but she works on Zoom. If you want um, astrology, I would send you absolutely to my best bud, Pat Dumas in York, Pennsylvania, who's the best one I've ever known. Mm -hmm. And that is the other thing about professional psychics, professional intuitives. We know when we're not your best option, and if we have someone who is better at what you want than we are, we will suggest them. We won't try to fudge the information. We won't try to be vague just to get your money. That's not professional. Yes, absolutely. And another thing is I've had Reiki before and I've heard from other people, well, when I've gotten Reiki, this person used crystals or whatever. But when I got my Reiki, no, the person didn't use crystals. And that was simply because that's something that they don't need in order to connect, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, everybody. Chiropractors, different. some of them use those little tappy um, metal things. Uh, I don't know what they're called. Uh, instigate or something. And some just use their hands. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like saying that if you build a house, you can only use a saw. <laughs> no, there's some people who are really, really good at roofing. They're still building the house. So um, when you hear something that, you know, everyone has always said, look it up because generally it's kind of like whisper down the lane. It started out maybe as real information and by now it's completely useless. But again, that's why I wrote the Psychic Yellow Brick Road for anybody who wants to go and have a psychic session, but feel safe, know what questions they should ask, what they shouldn't. I mean, there is a chapter in here that about questions you shouldn't ask because it drives us crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and you, look, it, I'm sure that most people recognize the vast majority of questions that we get, especially from first timers, are always on relationships. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everybody wants to find that. And, and some people will just beat on us until they get the answer they want. And the example I always use is, does Bruce think about me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. Uh, if I do such and such, will he think about me? No. Is he going to call soon? He isn't. Well, if he isn't going to call soon, he's going to call later. And you keep beating on us until we finally go, yes, yes, he loves you. And he wants seven babies with you, but he just doesn't know it yet. The client goes, oh, good. I thought so. No, don't do that, Jess. We beg you. Um, and it, and if I say no, and Judy Abbott says no, and um, Ms. Maureen says no, don't then go to Tony and see if maybe Tony's going to say yes. Mm -hmm. If you keep getting the same answer, then that's God hitting you upside the head with a clue brick and saying, are you listening? 
Exactly. And then, and then at the same time, what is the point of paying some, going to a psychic, paying someone when all you're going to do is want to find the answer that you want to hear? It's like, what good does that really do for you? How does that help you? And okay, that's like, preach. Preach, yeah, baby. Like, <laughs> and yeah, because, you know, I've heard this because I am friends with a lot of psychics as well. And that's one thing that they say that really that boggles their mind is like people come to them wanting to hear what they what they want to hear and it's like you're wasting time you're not only wasting time for yourself but my time and my energy because I have to you know get in tune with you and it's just like what is the point of going when you already have the answer set in stone for yourself so if you're not trying to help yourself then there's no sense of going to a psychic you're going to a psychic so that you can find the information that you need in order to move forward with the situation and assess it and then you know move ahead but if you already are there like knowing what you what what you want to hear it's like it's pointless to talking to anybody yeah now you know if you want to get a second opinion just like a doctor if i tell you x and then you uh decide to go to janine and make sure that it, you know what i said is accurate if she comes up with pretty much the same stuff and you know we haven't talked to each other in the six minutes that you've gone from my booth to hers that's the universe hitting you upside the head with a clue brick you should mm-hmm. pay attention Absolutely. The signs are right there in your face. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a few tips on what to look for when finding a psychic that displays professionalism. You know, you're able to have a connection with them. And then you also mentioned a lot about references. But for those who are not familiar about the concept of what a psychic does or not sure where to start when finding one to get references, what are some ways others can realize they're talking to a fluke or the real deal or are the 1-800-PSYCHIC someone that someone should actually call to actually get information? Are those people legit? Well, I'm one of them. Um, <laughs> let me put okay. it this way. The, the one group that I really know and trust, and the only one I'll work with now is called Best Psychics Directory. And that's run by a guy named Bob Olson. And he, he is legit. Now, if, you know, I am not inexpensive, because I've been reading for 50 years and I have all of these certifications and stuff like that. Um, So if you have a three minute question, don't buy a half an hour's worth of time with me. Go on to psychic directory, hit me up. And in three minutes, I'll get your question answered fast. Mm. So um, I'm a little bit weird because I'm one of those psychics who will downsell rather than upsell. If you can get the information you need in a short session on best psychics, or you can just do a half an hour general reading with me to get all your questions answered, don't buy an hour, don't buy a soul plan reading, which is the most expensive thing I do. Spend the least amount you can for the legitimate information. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's just, that's good customer service. And we do that, you know. Um, a book that we haven't talked about that came out last year is called You've Got the Magic Who Needs a Genie. It's the A-Lister's Guide to Holistic Expo Success. And if any of your listeners are intuitives, are psychics, and want to do the circuit, I wrote down everything I learned in 18 years of being on the road. And because I can, if you will, straddle the twin mountains of WikiWoo and business, that's why I can make a full-time living at this, which the vast majority of psychics can't, mm-hmm. not honestly. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. When you're looking for a psychic, 
Um, let's talk about what if you're looking at them at a psychic fair and you know you you can't really research before that. You go in, you make the circuit first, you just get the vibe. Then I, I laughingly say you have to be a good puppy, you have to get paper trained. Go and we all have rack cards or flyers or something that will talk about what we do. Collect it from anybody who looks even a little bit interesting. Go and sit down and read it. And then there are three or four of us that you're gonna vibe with. So come back, talk to us if we're not busy. If we are busy, then you can talk to our front people. But remember, we hire the front people to say they love us. My first front person is my dear friend, Laura Spickerman. Now, in those days, Laura was my husband's office manager. He ran an eight-building Revolutionary War historical site. Wow. And she worked for me weekends. Do you think she's going to diss Mrs. Museum Director? No, not really. <laughs> the key is look for testimonial books on our tables. We all have them. And they will tell you, are we kind? Are we compassionate? Are we funny? Are we friendly? Do we have specialties, children, dogs, dead people? Were we accurate and would they come back? Mm -hmm. But the last key is, guys, check in at that heart level. You are putting your hard-earned money on the table. If the psychic doesn't feel like they have a brain in their head, they really give a damn about what they're doing, or they're going to give you good information, don't go there no matter how cool the wiki-woo looks on their table. And if nobody there rings a chime, leave without a reading, there will be somebody else at another time. Now, if you're looking for a psychic in your home, then you can go check their website. Then you can even ask them, could I speak to some people that you've read? Any of us who are professionals have, you know, a handful of people that say, yeah, yeah, give them my number, I'll talk to them. And then you can find out, are we accurate? Do we have specialties? But then you can also ask other questions, things like, do they always say the same thing? Do they always make you come back? Uh, do they always try to upsell you? Um, there was a woman that I knew, she's dead now, we'll just call her Reverend Crotchety. And she was running a show. The first one I did, and she said, well, we're so glad to have you here. Let me show you how we read. Now, this was five months before I married my husband. And, you know, we've always been, we, we still can't pass each other in the house without smooching. It's been 21 years. It's just that way. Oh. Um, and so she sits down with me. She flips some cards and she says, I'm so sorry. <sighs> but your husband, your fiance is siphoning money out of your bank account and sleeping with your best friend on a daily basis. Now at this point, I'm in upstate New York and my best friend is in Thousand Oaks, California. <laughs> daily basis, I don't think so. But then yeah. she says, don't worry, I'll tell you how to handle it. And she then told me how she took her last four husbands to the cleaners. Muddy channels give muddy information. Mm, okay. That's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> so that's why you also want to find out, do they always say the same thing? And again, last thing, check in at heart level and make sure that they feel right to you. Mm -hmm. So have you ever had clients that come to you and wanting to get readings and they're trying to question you about everything to see whether or not you're legit? How do you handle situations? If so, how do you handle situations like that? Because I know some psychics, they, they'll just kind <laughs> of, you know, short. They'll just say, I can't work with you. Um, well, that's a possibility. Um, and there are certain boundaries I won't cross. There's something that I call remote spying, okay? 
Uh, when Brad and Angelina were together, Brad could ask about Angelina and Angelina could ask about Brad. Now they're divorced. No, it's remote spying. So a woman came to me and said, I want to know where my husband is sleeping with his mistress. I said, I'm sorry, I don't do remote spying. Oh, well, can you tell me how many people he slept with other than me? I don't do remote spying. Oh, God, you're not fun. All right. Well, is he sick? Is he going to die soon so I can get his money? And I turned to Laura and I said, Laura, um, I'm not connecting with Mrs. Cooperson. Please give her her money back. Mm-hmm. I said, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are certain things we, we simply will not do. And we don't always connect. If someone comes in once a past life and all I see in my third eye is a book of blank pages and it's riffling. Um, I'll explain that I'm simply not getting the connection. And mediums are not dial a dead, my darling. <laughs> if Aunt Rose is on a field trip, she won't be by the phone. <laughs> it doesn't mean she doesn't love you or that I'm lousy. It just means she is not available right now. Mm. Yes. And, and so people that have passed on and they don't always reincarnate because I think some people think like I know you said in the book that people people when they pass, they sit on a cloud and they're just chilling they there sit on a cloud. Yeah, no, they don't. No. Sometimes they take vacations. Mm-hmm. Or they find that the soul wants to work up there. There's one guy that I knew. Uh, his wife wanted to speak to him. And when was he coming back? I said, he's not going to for a while. He had been uh, a high ranking officer during Desert Storm. And so at this point, his soul was very content to be upstairs helping those who crossed over because they had been blown up by an IUD or someone hit their tank or they were done by a sniper. Mm. So the soul, and you know, and is the soul big enough, you know, that part of it could come down here, of course, but it's where the soul desired to put its energy at this point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And okay. I want to get back onto the last kind of topic we were talking about where you're saying that you can't intrude on spying on other people. So if someone Mm -hmm. comes in asking a question, you can't spy to see what the other person's doing. So a lot of times I've noticed also that some psychics have to ask for permission in order to be able to channel someone else. So is -hmm. that true for everybody or is that only true for certain people? Well, when you say ask permission for channeling somebody, for getting information on somebody for you or for talking to a dead person? For information on someone else or even talking to someone that's passed on. Okay. Um, The way I handle it, um, the one rule about remote spying, everybody has an exception. Mothers may spy on their children any way they like because they gotta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. If your mom comes in, it's the same rule. Um, <laughs> so, but that's not really remote spying. That's you want what's best for your child. Mm-hmm. See that difference? Um, as far as dead people go, um, if they don't want to come in, then they're not going to come in. Um, you know, we can't reach upstairs and, and, you know, open up the door to the lounge and pull them out. Mm-hmm. Um, The thing that I also want to tell people about mediums is we do work differently. All right. Some people like my dear buddy, she was the best uh, evidential medium I ever knew. Her name was Allie Cheslick. She passed on very early about four years ago. And we still call her Chatty Cathy of the Dead. (laughs) Um, If you went to her, she would just open her mouth and, and she never looked at the time. And if she and I were doing a show together and her time was 10 minutes and mine was like, she'd take 30. 
And we just get used to it because she couldn't stop talking. <laughs> um, now, with me, because I am always solidly booked at shows um, and I have a certain amount of time, I get what I call the dog tags. For instance, my father, Jerome Richard Dorkin, who died in 2001 at the age of 80. Notice that tells me nothing, but gets me into the energy right away. Then I will tell you the kinds of things that I'm getting. And, you know, since I'm not on camera, you can't see, but it's almost like I will do charades. I find that my hand goes and hits my forehead. This was an accident. My fingers go at heart level and it's like opening up the rib cage. There was surgery. My hand goes over my mouth. This person was either intubated on oxygen or had trouble breathing. Um, you know, they smoked, they toked, they whatever. Um, and I don't know why I developed that or how, but that's simply how spirit wants to work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, Examples of stories. There was a woman who was from Texas and her husband had died six weeks before. And this was when I was in York, Pennsylvania. And as you can hear from the accent, this is New York, New Jersey. Okay. Mm -hmm. But she, I take the information, all of a sudden my head tilts to one side, my arms go out like, you know, a big hug. And I'm going, hi, baby. (laughs) That's how he walked into the house every night after work. Oh. (laughs) I didn't know that, but it was absolute proof for her. Mm -hmm. Other things. um, There was a woman who wanted to speak to her father-in-law who had just died, and I find myself miming a pool cue. He taught her how to play pool. There's a woman who came to me in Canada, and I find myself saluting. But it is not the American salute where the hand, the palm is pointing toward the ground. It's with a palm pointing forward that way they do in Canada and Britain. She was in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and I didn't know that, but her father was saluting her with the correct salute. Mm-hmm. Um, it is things like this that I couldn't possibly know. And then when we know we've got the dead person. I open up and they talk together. I will say exactly what your person is saying to you. Not John says that, but I will be like, I'm John. Um, That is the main reason I will not do mediumship in a public setting like John Holland or Lisa Williams or James Van Praagh, because some of these conversations have been so intense um, forgiving old hurts, um, closure. That's not something that should be in front of 200 people who are strangers. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, I will do a past life gallery because you saw how fast I brought down that life of the woman who died in 1915 on the boat. Mm-hmm. But that's a very different thing because past lives generally are not going to be so intensely personal. You're embarrassed for other people to hear. But again, that's just my choice. Mm-hmm. So while I know being a psychic is a job and mm-hmm. others should definitely get paid accordingly, some people may feel that psychics should not pay, people should not, psychics should not charge for their services. And that mm-hmm. if you do, that it's a scam. But I know a lot in your reading, you talk about how it is fair for psychics to charge for readings. And you gave a lot of detail into why. So yes. 
how much should a psychic actually charge? I know like, you know, um, psychics like Sylvia Brown, some were charging in the thousands of dollars because they're renowned psychics. But, you know, what is a fair price for someone to pay for a psychic reading? Well, it depends on the experience. It really does. Now, uh, someone in Jackson Square in New Orleans or Venice Beach Boardwalk in California, you may pay 10 bucks because that's what they want. Um, because of my speed, because of the fact that you're going to get tarot and numerology and spirit guides and mediumship and, you know, the whole thing with me, I charge 125 for a half, two and a quarter for a whole. But again, remember, I talk down. If I can help you avoid spending the hour, if, I, if we can do it in a half, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. The most expensive reading that I do is a soul planned reading, which is very much what we did for Robert Schwartz in his book series. What people don't understand is each of those chapters involves 40 or zero hours of psychic work in each one. So if you came to me and said, why did I choose to parent handicapped children? For one thing, you're going to come in and you're going to give me about a page of homework. You're just detailing your life challenge. I may come back to you with some clarification questions. But then the morning of our session, I'm at my desk at 630 in the morning. I'm not going to talk to you until eight o'clock at night. That day is spent in deep trance meditation, pulling down two to as many as 10 past lives in detail. And I go back and I double check. For instance, if I see you using a cotton gin in 1421, it wasn't invented for several hundred years. I know that past life is wrong. I throw it out. I go back up. And then I'm on the phone for a half an hour with you. How much is that reading? That is $575. But when you divide that into about, oh, I would say 14 hours of my work. What is that? That's about... 40 bucks an hour, which is what you would pay for, you know, an interior designer. Mm-hmm. You're getting that much of my time. And frankly, I'm a crispy critter the next day. I don't work on Wednesdays because I only do these trainings on Tuesday. So what I would tell people is a good psychic will charge commensurate with their level of experience, their qualifications, their certifications. I read 1,200 people a year. That's rare. But that means that's why I'm as fast as I am. It's why I can immediately put my mental hands, uh, psychic hands on the information you need. Someone who's been reading for two years, no, they should not charge you 225 bucks an hour. Who the hell do they think they are? So, and don't spend more than you need. Truly, truly don't. You know, if, if you have to decide between having a psychic greeting and buying groceries, for God's sake, buy the groceries. Yeah, definitely. You want to make sure you have food on the table. You got to nourish yourself. You know, you can't yes. deprive yourself. Yes. Your self-care comes before anything. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing is that, you know, uh, when you're speaking with clients, a lot of times this takes a lot of being a psychic takes a lot of energy work. People don't realize that some people have a lot on them and to to get in tune with all of that, that takes a lot of energy from someone. And another thing I want to note that those people who may be legit psychics who are just really in it for the money and not really in there because they have a true passion to actually help people. I want the listeners to also know that people like that can actually lose their abilities as well. 
There have been psychics that have been legit that have tried to get over on people that can lose their their abilities to read other people because in this realm, you're supposed to do it because, you know, you want to help people. And like you said, I'm not saying that you shouldn't charge in which you definitely should charge for it. But that's another outlook that I want people to have on this situation, too, and that sometimes you may come in contact with someone and it may be on your heart to just give them a free reading because they really, really need that reading. And I know that's something that you talked about in the book as well, is that if someone's in dire need of something, then it's okay to give them a free reading. Spirit will nudge me and say, this one needs a free reading if they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and not I walk up to them and say, but if they come and say, gee, you know, I, I could really use this, but I simply can't right now. Sometimes I will say, well, don't worry about it. There will be another time. But if upstairs nudges me, I'll tell them, look, I can't read you for free here because this is how I make a living. But this I will do. I will give them a date and I will give them a time and I will give them my cell phone. And I say, if you call me on this date at this time, I will do a free reading for you. I can do that six times at a psychic expo and one will call the other five really just didn't want to pay for it. Mm. Um, and you know, people see our booths. Let me give you a quick idea of what it cost me to do a four day show in Kitchener, Ontario when I was up there. Number one, that's a 10 hour drive. So I would have to leave on Thursday night. And so there's 10 hours in the car and a hotel room. Shows there were four days, Friday, three to nine, Saturday and Sunday, 10 to nine, Monday, 10 to six, because it was usually a Canadian holiday. So that's another four nights uh, on the road. So that's five nights of a hotel and all my food and the booth fee and paying my front person and being away from my husband for those days. And, a, you know, a four day show like that, the booth fee could be a thousand dollars. So yeah, we have to charge. We just do. Um, at the same time, was it worth doing? Absolutely. Frankly, I love my Canadians. I really do. <laughs> and it was very concentrated. Um, I read open to close. In a four-day show like that, I would read about 70 people and do two lectures. At the end of the day, I was a crispy critter and you could roll me back in a body bag to the hotel. <laughs> but God, it was worth it. And I loved doing it. Spirit said, you done mm-hmm. in 2019 when um, I had a pinched nerve herniated disc and it, man, that made looking like labor and birth a tea party. Wow. Well, when I got better, the doctor said, you done. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot do the 10 hours in the car anymore and you can't do load in, load out. But that was an example of the universe saying, we have your back. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Because what happened Seven months later, COVID. And last year was the year I refer to as the year of murder, hornet, bingo, the year of hold my beer or the what the fuck year. Yeah, it's been a crazy year. A lot of my friends who were on circuit like that, all of a sudden, boom, their business had stopped. What were they going to do? I had had seven months to basically morph my business online completely. And so last year I did better than I used to do on the road. Frankly, my overhead went down and I had as many readings or more. And so now, even as we're coming out, the universe has made it clear, you can do your business from home. It's okay. There are still a couple of shows that I'll do because they're like an hour and a half, two hours from here. And I like seeing people. But when the universe looks like it's doing the Monty Python flip that goes squish on you, please 
look behind the scenes. There's probably a good reason the universe has your back on this, but you have to stay open to what the message is. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like your clients have kind of skyrocketed through COVID because there's so many people that are trying to put the pieces of the puzzle to their lives together because they're in a situation where so many people have lost their jobs and don't yes. know what the next step is. And so yes. they're looking for guidance. Um, I get a lot more, I've gotten a lot more career readings in 2020. Now, the fact that I used to be an executive recruiter for engineering and manufacturing means I love those kind of things. And I, and you know, I have no mind using both my right brain wiki woo and my left brain, which counseled people in careers for years. I tell people, would you like me also to bring in that? And I haven't had one that hasn't said, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I was useful to people last year. The questions were a little different, um, but it was useful. This year we're getting more back to the does Bruce love me stuff. And now that I can go out again without a mask, am I going to find my guy? So, you know, (laughs) it it ebbs and flows. You get lonely after a whole year being on lockdown. And if you're single, you know, it's a little rough out there for you. So oh, trust me, I was so grateful that I'm this old married woman at this point. It was a lot easier. Right. So, okay. You also mentioned why people shouldn't be over reliant on psychics to help them through life, that they should also take accountability for their own lives and make decisions for themselves. So can you tell me what are some downsides to people continuously going to psychics for answers on every aspect of their lives? Guys, we're here for free will. You're not going to learn a darn thing unless you unless you do free will. You know, um, spirit doesn't want to tell you whether you should buy the red car or the blue car. That's not going to make the difference in your life. Mm-hmm. And the more we live the examined life, the more we look at what happens with us and we try to figure it out, the better we are at taking advantage of the opportunities. For instance, if I went to psychic saying, oh, this is terrible. Why did I get this back injury? Blah, blah, blah. I would not have bothered looking to see what the advantages were, what the opportunities were that came my way. Um, it, it's just, we are, we can hand you the toolbox, but we're not the repairman. Life is about learning. Life is about experiencing the good, the bad, and the weird. And then when you cross back upstairs saying, this is what I learned. These were all the experiences I had. This is what was great, what wasn't. It's part of your life review. Mm -hmm. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. To help and assist, not for people to be codependent on you. Because ultimately, like you said, it's your, it's free. You have the free will. It's your life at the end of the day. So if you don't take control over your own life, then you're going to be stuck in a wreck for a very long time. And then ultimately, when you're reborn again and you reincarnate, you're going to go through the same life lesson until you ultimately learn whatever it is that you need to learn on this earth. Same shit, different day. You got it. Besides, if you constantly go to psychics, then the more unscrupulous ones are going to say, great, I can, you know, keep her here. I can say, well, you know, there is this hole in your aura and it's going to take about six months to repair it every two weeks, you know, so plan a hundred bucks every two weeks and you can come in and we'll discuss it. No, mm-hmm. yep. not yeah. only no, but hell no. Yeah. Yeah. So you now anybody tries to tell you that you have to come to them constantly run, do not walk. 
Mm-hmm. Because they're assuming that your free will is theirs for the taking. Mm-hmm. So what type of questions should people ask when they're going to see a psychic? Because I've had this problem myself where I've gotten readings and I'm not getting straight to the point about what my reading is. They're kind of looking like, are you going to keep talking or are you going <laughs> to let me do what I need to do here? So do you need to come with clear questions for a psychic when you go and see one for a reading? Well, I prefer them. Some psychics, you sit down and they just start blarging at you. And maybe they'll get it right. Maybe they won't. But because, again, I want you to spend as little time with me as you have to. And I want to make sure you leave with what you need. When you sit down with me at a psychic fair, the first thing I'm going to say is, what's the most important thing you want to know, you know, coming out of here today? And if you go blank on me, I'll go Brooklyn on you and go, darling, what's biting your butt? Because everybody will answer that. I know what that is. For instance, if it's career, tell me it's career. If it's family, tell me it's family. Because I have these multiple level deep dish readings. Um, For instance, if you say, want to know about my relationship? Okay, what's his name? Bernard. A card for you, a card for Bernard, a card for the relationship as it stands, what you need to know and best possible outcome. Then I take out a second deck, one of my Oracle decks, and look at the karma underneath. If you still say, I just don't know, then we do what I call the three threes. Using tarot again, three cards for status quo. Y'all just kind of bumble along. Three cards for what I call the come to Jesus meeting. You guys are doing serious counseling. And the last three cards are hostile. Bye-bye. It's been nice. I'm so gone. (laughs) It's not just two cards that say, oh, I'm seeing this and I'm seeing that. Because that doesn't give you any tools. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and if you come in and about starting your new business, one of the things we may do is not only will we do the entrepreneur's spread, but we'll look at the numerology value of the URLs that you're considering. We'll uh, do a little deep dish into what the building looks like that you should look for, um, what your marketing strategy should be. And all of this is download. These are skills that I have that other people don't. So that's why come in knowing what you want to know. And then if we get done with that in 12 minutes, you have another 18 minutes, we can play with whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But when you know what's important, then we get that done for you and you will feel that the money was money well spent. Mm -hmm. And you talk also about how forming a, having a connection with the person that you're getting a reading from is very important for the client because ultimately with a good connection, you're able to get the most out of a reading. But you also mentioned how sometimes some psychics may be vague, not, not because they're not legitimate, but because maybe there's not a connection there with the person. So how can someone, when seeking a reader, find one that they ultimately connect with to get the most out of their reading for the next time? If they a lot of A lot of it is style. Um, There are some people who like very, you know, what I call glurpy purple with angels, softer readers. Me, I'm New York, hitch upside the head with a clue brick and I will make you laugh. (laughs) You know that there are some people that you really vibe with and some people, well, they're nice, but you're not drawn to them. That's why if you feel that simpatico click, these people will probably be the kind that you will want a reading from okay that's one of the reasons why i say at a psychic fair if you can talk to them directly do when i have a new client who wants to spend a lot of money on one of my really expensive readings i don't just accept it i say let's do a five minute chat first make sure the energy's right because if it isn't i won't even let them sign up 
If they say, well, what I really want to do is I need to go deep dish on my health. I'll say, not my wheelhouse. And I will send them to my buddy, Stacey Wells, whom I consider the best medical intuitive in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And the five minute conversation, of course, I don't charge for that. That's simply being a professional and making sure they get what they need. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about uh, the difference between psychics that deal with light work, that work in the light. And then you have other people that use their abilities for the bad, which I like to say they work in the dark. So how is one able to decipher a light worker from a psychic who may be a little bit on the darker side, as I like to call it? You look like, at their, um, you look at their um, uh, testimonials. You look at their business. Now, there is one thing that, you know, sometimes light worker, dark worker, we all have shadows that we work with. And then there are people, um, for instance, I have a dear friend, her name is Katrina Rasbold. She is a bruja. And a bruja is a specific kind of magic worker that's not black or white. It's um, a very different sort of thing. It's reasonable, not reasonable kind of thing. Um, if you want, you know, go look at Brujeria. It's, um, uh, I think, uh, more Mexican, Central American, Latin American kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not that familiar with it. But um, she is not going to come across as either black or white. She simply is. She is at that neutral point. But that's a very specific kind of work. No psychic should say, would you like to curse them? No psychic should say, would you like to block them from being successful? Remember, anytime that a psychic wants to help you beat up on somebody else, that is dark and you run. Mm-hmm. You really, really run. Absolutely. So that's, it's one of the reasons, please, please get references on us first. Please do the testimonial search on us first. If there are podcasts like this, go online and listen. Yes, please. What do we sound like to you? Do we sound like a bad boom movie or do we sound like real people? Mm-hmm. And so you also talk about, so this gets me into my transition about talking about spells a little bit. So mm-hmm. you talk briefly about, you know, love spells and people coming to you and feeling like, oh, I want to cast a love spell on whoever to get someone to be interested in me. And you say how that really isn't useful. So should people use spells first and foremost? And what are some positive and negative aspects on casting one? Um, since I don't cast spells, uh, that's kind of like um, asking um, a doctor, so do you believe in 30-year architectural shingles or should I go with a metal roof? <laughs> and the doctor <laughs> look at you and say, excuse me, can you please see the sign outside? Um, for someone like that, again, you go to someone who works with that. You go to a really fine Wiccan. You go to someone who is a uh, a bruja, a bruja, or a brujo, and they will be able to explain that. Mm-hmm. And you know, the fact that I can't is just one more example of a true professional tells you when it isn't in their wheelhouse. Absolutely, but there's a lot of people out there that I know and I've come in contact with that believe that all people that are psychics cast spells and do curses and all of that stuff. So I wanted to put that out there so that people have some clarification on how this really actually works and what actual psychics entail, what their abilities actually entail. So, mm-hmm. 
That's good that you said that. So we know, don't come to her to cast spells. She don't do that. She, she no, but I know people who do, and I'll give you the <laughs> So, okay, I want to get into my own little personal story. So a long time ago, I received a psychic reading for someone over the phone. And I know you talk about phone readings and stuff like that and how some people are able to do them and some people prefer to do them actually in person. Now, the information he gave me was very specific. He never seen me before. I didn't have social media. He knew exactly what I looked like, my date of birth. I mean, everything. So some of the information that he told me actually never transpired. So and, and I realized over the years that I was someone that kind of dwells a lot of times on when I get readings. So I kind of changed the path. There were certain things that I seen and I changed it. So when sometimes you're getting a reading from a psychic, why is it that sometimes the information doesn't actually actualize? Like in my particular situation. It's the 85% accurate rule. Mm. Um, If nothing happens, well, they just didn't connect with you. Believe it or not, I don't really look at my accuracy because I consider that a very ego-based thing. If somebody comes to me and says, oh, my God, you know, you told me that I was going to meet somebody in November and my parents weren't really going to be crazy about him. And I did. I go, wow. But it's not, you know, well, of course, you know, I'm that good. My aura don't stink. Um, So realize that it's very, very rare for any of us to give you 100 percent if we give you 60 or 70% of stuff that, that does actualize, that's good. You know, we're not objecting to that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and so that gets me also into psychics being able to channel over the phone versus in person. Um, do you feel like one is better than the one way is better than the other, or does it have to do with a preference for the actual client that's going to see the psychic to determine oh, that? Client, You know, if they say, but if, if I'm not there, but, but, but I grin and I say, if I could only read you in person, how do you know I'm not reading your body language? And they go, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> energy is energy. My darlings. You know, if that was the case, then what if a, you know, can a blind psychic read you? They're not seeing you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good point that you just made right there. Uh-huh. I don't even think about it like that. <laughs> so you may think you're talking to Stevie Wonder because, you know, he, you know, he has his other ways of being able to connect with you and feeling you and sensing you. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. And I remember even one time I received a reading from a Vietnamese psychic and in their culture, in their way of being able to read, they can't read you when you're on your menstrual cycle, which is interesting way of doing things. But like, once again, that's their thing. I mean, you know, I can't read you when you're in a coma, but that's about it. Exactly. So for all the listeners out there, this is another way of understanding that every psychic reads differently. They're not all the same. Don't categorize them in the same categories as one as the other. They all have different characteristics and ways that they feel comfortable when it comes to reading. Right. So so now you talk about guides, you talk about uh, guardian angels. So typically when you are in a reading with a client, where, who is the person that you're sourcing this information from? Depends on what they need. Uh, if they ask to speak to spirit guides and angels, it's them. If it's uh, tarot cards, it's probably their spirit guides that are just giving me the download, but I don't consciously connect, uh, you know, go looking for them. They just, they, it's a party line. They know they're on the phone. Mm-hmm. If it's their dead person, it's their dead person. Mm-hmm. 
So, so how do you deal with uh, skeptics that come to you and they want to test your abilities? I love them. Well, for (laughs) one thing, you know, if they come and they have a reading and they say, well, I'm a skeptic. I said, great, great. That means that if you believe it, you're really going to believe it. The ones that I don't deal with well, the ones that come up to me at a psychic fair and say, well, I don't know, tell me something you couldn't know about me. And if you're right, I'll have a reading with you. I just look at them and say, I'm sorry. I don't roll over and fetch either. And I turn my back and they don't get a reading from me. I heard that. I'm not a dog. (laughs) I think this is. (laughs) So have you ever been in a situation? Well, you did say this kind of in the beginning, how you overheard a so-called psychic at a psychic fair give someone some false information about, you know, someone that was going to pass on in her family. So how do you, do you ever intervene in situations, usually if you're hearing a fake psychic? Like if someone, a psychic walks up to someone else on the streets and they're giving them all this information and you know that it's inaccurate. Because most of the time when you're a psychic, you already know when you're, no, when you're dealing with real I psychics. Can't. I can't because that's a drive-by psychic shooting too. Mm, okay. Uh, and if I hear what you were referring to a story in the book about a psychic that was sitting with a man who had just had cancer and was telling him you have seven months, not a day longer. No, it is not for me to go rushing into the booth. That's when you immediately tell the show promoter and the show promoter goes and shuts it down. Mm. That's, that's just the way, the way it's done. Just like um, there was a long time ago, I got a death threat on my psychic fair table one morning because the guy that I read the day before didn't like what I said. But again, this is part of my business. I have my sign-in sheet. And if you sit with me, you're going to sign that in your handwriting. So we were able to match the handwriting on my sign-in sheet with the death threat. And then the show promoter just gave it to the police. I didn't do a thing. That's insane. I mean, people get so enthralled in these types of things sometimes, Mm -hmm. and it's really just crazy. And people just really need to take a step back and assess the situation that, like you said, so so many times in this interview that everybody has a free will. So even if it's some information that you don't like, hey, take it for what it is and try to correct it. That's all you can do. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah. um, And so also in your book, you talk about, you know, some gray areas which spirits go when they actually pass on. So for those who are not familiar with gray areas, what does life after death really look like after they pass, after someone passes? I'd be a genius and I'd own the world. (laughs) What I think happens, what I believe is the idea that you... um, Go up there, and as as I used to say to my father, you know, you'll unpack your bag, you'll sign the guest register, and you'll take the orientation tour. Uh, you will do a life review, and the life review is where you literally review everything you did. If you did kind things, you get to feel the appreciation and the love from the people that were affected by it. If you hurt people, you beat them, even if you kill them, you are going to have to feel the anguish, the pain, the fear, everything. That's what hell is. But when it's done, it's done. And then the soul goes on to decide what it's going to do in its next incarnation. Mm-hmm. So I want to say, what do you want the listeners to take away from this interview when it comes to what psychics actually do? What are some things that you want people to know about how psychics actually function? We can, you can do what we do. We're just expert at it. Um, so we're not, 
you know, weird people. We're not aliens. Um, we're here to help you uh, work your life. We're not here to live it for you. We are, in a sense, luxuries. We are not absolutes. If you have to pay bills and put groceries on the table, that comes before we do. Because we are human, it is important that you do a little research. You find out what our reputations are. You find testimonials. You really research the psychic before you go to them. And remember, you are in charge. If you feel uncomfortable, if you feel scared, if you feel like the psychic is going past boundaries that you allow, then you tell them no. And if they don't stop, you get up and leave. Absolutely. Any other business. Mm -hmm. And we all, like you said, we all have abilities within ourselves. And there was a book that you said that everybody can read in order to get in touch with that, right? What was the book called again? Opening to Channel by Sanaya Roman and Dwayne Packer. That's the book that I learned with 30 some years ago. It's still around. It's been revised and it's a great beginner's book. Wonderful. Well, I hope you all take get a copy of that book and take that into consideration. I want to thank you so much, Corby, for joining me today. Let everybody know what you have coming up as far as any events or anything or any uh, new books that you plan on authoring anytime soon and where they can find you. And get in contact all right. I'm, you. I'm kind of hard to avoid. You go to my <laughs> website, which is CorbyMitlide.com. You can find me on Facebook, fire through spirit. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest, Corby Mitlide. You can find me Corby Mitlide on YouTube where there are meditations and tarot readings and all kinds of articles like that. Um, So, and the next book is going to be called the big reboot. And that's going to be a book on how to navigate the world after 2020. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I want to thank you once again for joining me. And for everybody else, if you want to follow me on IG, you can do so at I am Kyra Mahoney. If you'd like to support the Vibe Selection podcast, you can do so at www.patreon.com slash Vibe Selection. Or if you want to get any cool Vibe Selection merchandise, if you like a cool tote, a sweater, um, anything, a beach towel, because I know the summer is coming up for you guys, you can do so at www.teespring.com vibe selection once again i am your host kyra and tune in again for next week's episode thank you all stay safe stay healthy i'll see you all next week bye thank you for joining vibe selection with kyra come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics find us on instagram at i am kyra mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection